we give our attention to God's word, we both hear it read and preached. Uh, today, Doug Logan, a pastor of Epiphany Camden Church, uh, which is a new church plant, they have their launch service in two weeks, uh, is coming to preach with us. Let me just give you a little bit of what's happening over the next few weeks. We're starting a small series that we're calling, If I Could Tell You One Thing. If I could tell you one thing, and the idea is we're asking some of our church planting friends and pastors to come, and if they could tell one thing to Seven Mile Road, if there was one thing they felt like we needed to hear, one passage they could preach from, one message that we needed to have, uh, that we needed to receive, what would that be? And so I'm, I'm really excited for these next few weeks because I'm eager to hear what God would have us to hear. Uh, and basically, our prayer should be, Lord, as we start 2012, would you bring some godly men to come and tell us what we desperately need to hear and give us the hearts to receive it uh, so that we might act accordingly and, and do what God wants us for this year. So I'm, I'm excited that Doug is here. Uh, many of you have met Doug before. Doug was with us, I think, last December to preach for us. Uh, Doug is a gift to Jesus' church. Um, I'll tell you one quick story. The last time I met Doug, Doug was telling me how he, he has dogs. So he goes out to walk his dogs meets another guy who's just walking his dogs. The two of them start a conversation, and at the street corner, this guy repents of his sins, is born again, and believes in Jesus. I've sat at Starbucks for three years, <laughs> and nobody talks to me, and this guy walks his dogs, and people become Christians all over the place. So uh, I am really glad for Doug and what God's going to do there. So let me read for us Psalm 46, and then Doug will come and preach. If you have a Bible, it's, it's right in front of you as well, Psalm 46. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Well, I don't know how I'm going to stand still. I have, preach, I have PDD, preacher, deficiency disorder, and I move around a lot. So um, pray for me as I, I stand still. First, I want to say Seven Mile Road, man, from my heart and Epiphany Camden, man, we love y'all, man. We hear how the Lord is killing it for his glory out here. You know, y'all ripped the people off, took their building for free. And, um, you know, I, I know how y'all rolled out. And um, <laughs> it's all right. We ripped people off in Camden. We just do it with a gun. Y'all robbed them without a gun. <laughs> so, um, but I praise God. And I praise God, you know, and um, I look here and I look at all the work that God has done. And I think about a Jay, um, you know, a Jay coming, 
to Philly was a blessing to us as a, as a network, X29 network. And, um, and, and to me, I, um, I watched him move by, um, the hand of the Lord, just, just manipulating and maneuvering him in strategic ways. And, and I've watched his level of intimacy with the Lord just grow. And listen, it was hot to death when I met him. And so I've just, as I talk with him and as we call and, um, as he prays with me and as he encourages, I just want to tell you, you got a doggone good pastor. And um, I, I just praise God for him. And um, and if I lived in the Northeast, I would go here and be in the stolen building too. <laughs> but I praise God for Seven Mile Road because I just watch y'all blow up in terms of love, grace, this multi-ethnic flow, and um, in your passion to see Christ Church Christ Church expanded and advanced in this region. And of course, thus we are recipients. So um, I'm going to pray for a second, um, tell you a little bit about um, the one thing I would tell you and also tell you um, a little bit about Epiphany Camden. But that testimony, that story that Ajay just told, um, Jose is the guy that was walking the dog that came to faith and he's with us today. So we're going to be baptizing him on the 29th, so y'all keep him in prayer. Amen. Y'all can give the Lord praise. I know y'all, some Pentecostals are in here somewhere. <laughs> Father, we do commit this time, and thank you for your great grace and your mercy. We thank you for Seven Mile Road, who is an encouragement. I thank you for Pastor Matt out in Boston um, sending and being obedient to God and sending and supporting that they're here to be a blessing to this region. And God, they have been. We thank you for um, their, their, their partnership, their prayers, and their purse that has been a blessing to Epiphany Camden and many others. Would you continue to be with us? So we pray, God, in this time that, um, that your word would be an encouragement, um, a penetrating presence of your spirit to guide, encourage, and challenge us, that it might stretch us and grow us, um, that we might um, grow closer to you, understand you more, and be energized by your Holy Spirit for mission to the lost. So bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me get this thing. So when I think about planting in Camden, New Jersey, I did not want to plant in Camden, New Jersey. I'm from Patterson, New Jersey. Some people would jokingly call that Camden North. If you've seen the movie Lean on Me with Joe Clark, the principal, anybody seen that movie? And up in Patterson, if you know Patterson, Patterson is rough, rugged, and raw. Um, you know, they kill for breakfast. And I grew up there, and so as I grew up, I, I, I went to college in North Carolina, and when I remember... In the first year of college, the first orientation, people said, you know, what's your major? And everybody in the class said, intention in growing up was to make money so that I would never have to go back to the hood. I didn't want it. My success would have been my white picket fence, my Volvo, my four-bedroom split-level, two-car garage. That would have been my idol, 
that I would have polished regularly and worshiped and bowed before all of my days. That would have been success. That would have been life. So when I think about the Lord saving me in 1996 and even then that aspiration to plant a church or start a church or be the pastor of a church um, in the suburbs, if you will. I'm not mad at the suburbs. I, I, I love the suburbs, y'all. And um, uh, But I, I, I always saw no value in the hood. So I can remember coming to plant there a um, couple of people, Dr. Phil Riken and Dr. Eric Mason, who didn't even talk in the same day at staff meeting. I was on staff at 10th Presbyterian Church and at Epiphany Fellowship, Baptistic and, and, and High Church Presbyterian. And in a spooky way, they both came to the same conclusion. I told them I was planting in Germantown. And Phil Riken said, no, you're not. You, Lord's calling you to Camden. I was like, man, you go to Camden, Phil. <laughs> I'm not going to nobody's Camden. You must be out of your mind crazy people dying I, I'm, I'm, I'm too I'm too I'm too good to preach people won't hear my skills in Camden that's that arrogance that ridiculousness and then by the time I got home I was telling Dr. Mason like yo you know Phil Riken man my man Dr. Phil he this cat was saying I should be playing in Camden he says I think so too I said y'all conspiring <laughs> so we land we plant snapshot two years goes by we get launched out into camden in april of 2011 we get there we cannot find a house for eight months the houses everybody bought houses so the appraisals would be forty-two thousand for the house the price of the house would be 90 so i remember one time i went to one and they said well all you got to do is come up with um seventy thousand and get a mortgage for the rest. If I had $70,000, first of all, I'm not, I wouldn't be a church planner. <laughs> Secondly, I wouldn't be buying a house in Camden with just 70 cash. So it was very, very difficult. But as we got in and um, my wife really struggled, we looked at over 41 houses with the realtor in and out, in and out. We finally got blessed with the house that we bought and, um, um, from that point, it, we, under, we underwent a four-month, and Ajay prayed for me a lot during this time, a four-month renovation. We removed 18 tons of demo and remodeled the whole house. And if you know a row home in Camden, 18 tons is more than the house. So it was like nothing there. And But I watched the Lord send strangers. I had a little key box like the realtor would have. And any given day, I would come to the house and there would be some dude there working. And he would be often nervous when I would come in. He'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is Camden. And, you know, who, who are you? I, I own the house. Oh, okay. I didn't know. He says, well, I just wanted to let you know I put all this sheetrock up for you. Thank you. And um, from day to day, from sheetrock to plumbing, the house was gutted. And that was a tough time. We lived in the basement of one house. I have three boys, 23, 14, and 13, and they were all at separate houses. It was a tough time, but God showed up in that. We currently had a tough time finding a place to worship. 
And so we were meeting at my house and at another brother's house that bought into the neighborhood. Many of us bought homes in the neighborhood. Me, um, my stewardship coordinator, who will be a pastor, um, he's in the elder track. He bought around the corner from me, the worship leader, Trevor, who went to school with my brother. I, wanna, I don't want to say your name wrong, but no. He went to PBU and him and Langhorne Bible University. That's what I call it. That ain't Philadelphia. And, um, <laughs> and um, they went to school together. So Trevor moved to the area. We took Jeremiah 29 serious. We've seen four couples get married since we've been there. We've taken wives, Jeremiah says, and build homes. We renovated my home, and, and so many more are moving and moving into the area and engaging the block in an intentional way. And I can tell you that I, I've met killers who, who've never heard the gospel. I've met the molested and the molester that I've been able to share the gospel with. I've met people coming out of jail, going into jail. And if there's one testimony, they said, well, well, first and foremost, they say, well, I've never met a black Presbyterian. So that's normally they're weirded out. And that's cool. I work with them. But more than 10 times I've been told, I can't imagine why you would live in this neighborhood. And I said, man... We believe that the gospel we preach is actively going to transform and make this new. And I wouldn't, just like we live in this house, redesign this house, do all the work of it, and then not believe. And then believe it's going to fall down so I go get another house that somebody else built to find my refuge we believe God has called us here. So if the water in Camden is rusty, which it's been for 50 years, it's going to affect us. As I was on Channel 29 and Channel 6, when the poop comes sh- sh- um, um, erupting out of the ground in front of my door and nobody in the city cares, um, I-, I-, I went to Channel 29 and they came and cleaned that poop up. But that poop affected the whole block. And so... I live here. You know, I think about Jonah, and, and, and then I want to get to my word. I think about Jonah, and Jonah went in and preached. He had to get forced in there. I think I, in some ways I had to get forced in a little bit too. I think every church plan has a level of getting there behind whooped to obey and answer the call. But Jonah went in there and preached nine words. If you see the results, the, the cows were fasting. The Bible says, it said, said the whole city went into a fast and everybody repented. What an evangelistic outreach. I want you to imagine just preaching and the whole city comes to believe. He goes outside the city, though. He set up outside. I don't know if Jonah believed what he said was going to bring transformation. So he got somewhere safe just in case the walls came tumbling down. Our heart of innocent ministry is to be in the city. And the gospel we proclaim, we believe it does bring transformation, so we're going to be there. And we tell the people on our block, we're going to be there in the rough time and in the bad time. When they're shooting, we're going to be there. And when the sun is shining, we're going to be there. Our slogan is on the block for the city, showing off the glory of Christ. We wanted to be a church that was deeply invested on the block. 
And I can tell you, as I talk with Jose and all the people that have come to faith, we're going to be baptizing four people on our launch Sunday. The idea of a someone that can explain to them how God deals with sin. Atonement is the big issue in the hood. And if you can get that, this idea of Isaiah 53 deals so well with it. Atonement, that's been our big picture. We're going to do a series on it. The question everybody asks, well, how do we deal with this sin? Well, I mean, I'm not going to stop. I, I don't stop sinning. Atonement has been the heart. As I was sharing the gospel with Jose, that was his question to me. Well, I keep sinning. Is there hope for me? In the midst of that, there is. There is one who has come, who has laid down his life. Nobody stole it. Nobody snuck behind him and pulled a bullet in his head. But he laid down his life to pay full price for damaged goods. He has made atonement. And so in light of that, we've got some people to baptize on the 29th. Our official public launch is that day. We've had some struggles um, with my, young, my younger guys in terms of support raising. I paid half their salary, and some of those guys um, have to raise. But if you grow up in African-American Baptist Church, um, many of them do, could care less about a church plant, um, especially a dude who wears earrings and doesn't wear a suit and tie on a Sunday. Um, so our team... Um, grew up in African-American Baptist Church. And so in terms of support raising for them, it's been a difficulty, a very, very tough road. And so that's why when we go to the post office and see that good seven with the circle in it on the envelope with some loot in it, it's a blessing and a joy. And that's why when Pastor Jay calls me and prays for me, it's a joy. It lets us know we're not alone in this struggle. As we're in, we got upgraded from the worst city and most dangerous and most violent city in America. We got upgraded from one to two. Amen. So, um, so we're number two this year. Flint beat us. Um, but if you want to find the worst city in America, all you need to find is the city with the most single parent homes. The downfall of the man will, will always bring the city down. So you pray. And I think about Jose here as he's being disciple. You know, he, he, he going, you know, we believe the gospel changes everything. So Jose, you, you, Jose's going to graduate and we're going to help him get to college. And Jose's got to get a job and brush his teeth and, you know, and comb his hair and marry a good woman and, and open the door for her and remember her birthday. And change fundamentally how we how 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 the how he's his. You need to know in Camden a marriage is missional. In Camden, opening the door for your wife is missional. In Camden, walking with your son somewhere is missional. That sounds weird, but. There's very few young men that walk with their dad anywhere. Most men in Camden go see their dad at jail or never see him ever. So we want to see men transformed by the gospel, live out the gospel missionally in a hostile world. And that's our heart in Camden is to beat the pavement and beat the pavement with the gospel and watch God raise up, bring out men and women that are transformed that stay. I'll say this and I'm, and I'm going to get to my word. When I grew up, there was two shows, the Jeffersons. Y'all seen, y'all know the Jeffersons. Moving on up. And Good Times, both were pictures of, of a ghetto idea. So in Good Times, 
I, I, I'm always amazed by good times. Don't be mad at me. I, I, I didn't like it. I did because it was funny, but I don't like it. And five adults living in the projects couldn't put enough money together to get an apartment. That bothered me. That show was on for like 15 years. Five adults, intelligent folk too. Hard, they all worked hard and they couldn't put it together. And they did everything in their power because one day they were gonna get out of the ghetto and move to the nice part. And they didn't seem, their whole activity was to get out. The Jeffersons, they had got out and they had moved up to the east side by Tim Keller and them. And um, um, that's where they lived. And, um, and they moved up. And so now the two ideas is one is you're trapped and all you have to do is get out and you're sad. Or one, you're happy because you've gotten out. Neither show showed that there could be holistic transformation in the city. Both shows showed get out and find peace. We declare, as you declare in this Northeast, you don't have to get out to find peace. You can, peace has come to rest in the hearts of violent men, us. And that peace shared through the gospel brings, turns an inner city into a suburb by grace. So we don't have a good times theology and we don't have a Jefferson's mentality. We like to believe we have a Holy Ghost mentality that flows out of mission. So the one thing I would tell you in light of all these things happening is that in most church plants, everybody is about doing and not about being. What, that, what does that mean? See, when I came to Camden, I had to do something. I had to, well, we got to have core group. And then we got to get the PowerPoint. And then, you know, we got to do this. And the worship team, y'all got to play Here I Am to Worship. But y'all can't play it like, like Tim Hughes. Y'all got to put some hot sauce on it. Y'all got to play it ghetto, you know, black style and all this collard green style and all this. So we did all these things. And I remember doing, I remember working 10 hours a day at the house to get it ready. I remember walking, I have big 150-pound Mastiffs, South African Mastiffs, and I remember walking them through the hood so the people would know, y'all been not coming here because I got some killers and all that. So I was doing and I was doing. And I can tell you that in all of God showing up for all that repair of my house, for all of his provision, I, I think I was some of the most distant from God I'd ever been. You know how lonely you can be in a room with a million people? Well, that's how it was for me. I was watching God kill it for his glory. And I had lacked the most intimacy. I figured I'd get with God after we got through this. So in his deepest time of showing and demonstrating his power, saving folk, bringing houses, somebody put the down payment down on my house that I didn't even know. They just came to the table and slid me a, a, a big old check for more than half the price of the little old house. And at that point, I was like so happy, but yet the least intimate with God because I was doing, doing this passage in Psalm 46. He goes through a whole bunch of things, but he lands at verse 10 and he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. So this idea of being still is what I wasn't. I was moving. I was I was active. I had activity, but not productivity. 
And this is what can happen at church plants because we're trying, to, we're trying to satisfy supporters. We're trying to satisfy the elders that sent us. We're trying to make the webpage cool and dynamic like everybody else's. We're, we begin to keep up with the Joneses. And one thing we forget to do is remember the God who sent us to declare his truth that at the core of his call was to declare to the devil that his reign is not real, but the reign of God is right now and that all must bow their knees and accept and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's what we come to do. But that can get snuffed out through assessments, through, 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 through 501c3 paperwork. All that gets snuffed out through trying to meet at Starbucks, trying to meet at this place and trying to get people and trying to get back to the gathering and say, well, we had 42 people even though 20 of them were below three years old. And um, has us, that doing has you lying a lot. It has you embellishing on what God is actually doing because you don't actually believe the gospel in many of the seizing of doing. So I love this passage because in this passage, the sons of Korah were given the song to, to, to show off. It was written as a as a. It, it's, it's got a hymnic element, it's got a Christological element, but it was actually written as a declaration and a celebration of the God who had given himself to bless this city, Zion. And in that city, he had pledged his protection. So what happened, the reality of this psalm is, man, God has said he's going to bless this city, take refuge in that reality, and get out of yourself and stop doing and just be. And it's Christological in nature because we recognize that in him, Jesus Christ is our refuge. In him, we are hid in Christ with God. And in him, there is no enemy. Why would you celebrate Zion and, and its peace? Well, he says it in verse 1, the core of the hymn, of the psalm. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. This is the idea here. Of, he's pointing people to the reality of God's power and their weakness. He's talking them out of getting a gun to protect themselves and telling them your protection is in me. He's calling them to take refuge. And I believe that the church of Christ, universal, we need to learn to take more refuge in Christ and stop just doing and being when you do a lot and please don't hear me say just pray and don't do nothing absolutely not what i'm saying but is our priority to see the activity of god but or is our priority to manufacture it by activity So as I read this psalm, I, I learned this psalm at an early age. And when I came to faith in like 96, this was a big song. Be still and know. You know, it was a bumper sticker, the little bracelet, you know, along with the what, the WWJD and all that stuff. And, you know, as Christians, we can cliche so many things and take the juice right out of it. You know, I remember growing up in We Are the World. Y'all know that song? We are the world. And that song, after they played it 77 times in the first 15 minutes, I didn't even like it no more. It had no meaning to me. And sometimes we do that with passages. And in my time of repentance, coming out of a season 
of God doing a lot and me praying a little. This passage blesses my heart. He admonishes and regards, and he starts off in this passage with, and I'm going to walk this, and I'm almost done. The psalmist calls. So the idea of being still and know that he is God, this is military language. So it's, it has the connotation that God destroys, ends wars, and breaks the armies down with his power. So we get a picture of God fighting the battle for the people of God. God ending the war by destroying the aggressive ability of the enemy. Instead of fighting, the place um, of Jerusalem, in this case, is to wait and see what God will do to save them. God himself fights this battle. Seven Mile Road, God himself has fought this battle. It was God himself who secured the real estate deal long before you walked in here. It was God himself that raised up a Jay and this elders team and these worship leaders long before. It was God himself. I know it seems like we did some recruiting and we did this and we did some negotiating, but it was God himself. And it's God himself who tore down the shackles of the enemy on each and every one who believes in him. He violently knocked, snuffed, and beat down so that you and I could have relationship with God. It was God himself. I know you made a profession of faith, me too. But it was God who brought me. It was this alien righteousness. It was something not within yourself, but it was something imported that came to do a work in you that you could not do. And often we say that theologically. I'm a Westminster dude and RTS dude and a Jay's a Gordon Conwell dude. And yeah, we, we wax eloquent when we're reading through the systematic, but functionally... We become works-based often. I'm reformed in theology and often not reformed in practicality, in practice. David is saying, well, be still and know (laughs) that I am God. That's the declaration of this hymn. So he starts off letting him know that there's safety in this city because God has promised For those who believe God has made a promise, ratified that promise in his son on the cross, proved that he's not a liar because he said in three days I'm going to rise, and he did. And if we can believe that he could rise again and promise with all these witnesses, we can surely believe that he's going to keep his promise to be with us even to the end of the age and then come back to get us from this low land of sorrows. This is the hope of this psalm is that God is our refuge. We're safe in him and his protection. So do less. And trust more, if I could say that. So I walk this and I'm sitting down. The protection from God in verse 46, 1 through 3, the psalmist finds security and peace in knowing God and watches over his people. He talks about the availability. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help and his dependability. In verse 2 and 3, therefore we will not fear, though, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved and the earth and the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam like the mountains tremble at its swelling. 
in all circumstances. He's dependable, he's saying. In verse 4 through 5, he talks about this paradise of God. First, it talked about the protection of God. Now, it talks about this paradise of God. The psalmist describes the perfect tranquility of the city of God. Look at verse 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And then he talks about this river that brings joy right there. It's, it's, it is God's home. He resides there and it has eternal reality. And then he goes on six and eight and he talks about God brings destruction on the world. This is not the devil doing something. This is God at work. And then verse 46 um, in verse 9, he says, and he will someday end wars throughout the earth. Look at verse 9. He makes wars cease to end of the earth. He breaks the, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then he goes on that, to declare that God will be exalted in all the earth. The psalmist exhorted the saints to observe the saving mighty deeds of God. The deeds portray how God brings peace to his people, destroying weapons throughout the earth. God himself calls for the people to trust in him and know that he is God, for he will be exalted throughout the earth. No doubt greatly encouraged the people of Jerusalem. Um, and, and when you get to this final verse, it reiterates, it reiterates all of the protection that he's had through the psalm, all of the, 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 re, the removal of your activity. <clears throat> and he says, be still. And so for all the saints of all ages, the call for a silent trust in God's saving power. Silent trust in God's saving power. Sometimes the strongest faith is the silent moment where you don't say nothing, where you turn off mercy me, and Dave Crowder band in the car will you stop tweeting and Facebooking and will you just sit before the Lord and listen to him this is hard for us I know y'all go to college and medical school so you always reading a book high on espresso and so used to so used to doing all-nighters be still and know that's not just for the church, but that is for the church, but that's for each individual. And I love that because the Bible says my sheep will hear my voice and they will come. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his desire, his joy. Ephesians tells us because of his good pleasure. So now we can be still. And because he, he has been a source of comfort and strength, he has been our refuge. Be still in a state of lacking power or force with the focus, um, with the focus that the muscles have lost their muscles. So this idea of be still in Hebrew, it, it, it's like almost being paralyzed and having the inability to do anything. So the, the picture is like, I just want you to imagine having an accident and being paralyzed from the neck down. And everything that you need is going to take someone outside of yourself to do it. <laughs> to go to the bathroom, you need help. Everything. Can you consider yourself paralyzed? Not in a bad way, but by God's grace that he is able to do it. And can you take refuge? And if you can't lift a hand, he is still going to bring his name to be the most famous in this Northeast and in your life. This idea of 
Be still. Be, be paralyzed and trust someone outside of yourself to take care of everything because he has. Be still. Doug Logan translation. Relax. Drop your hands. Drop your tools. Stop working. I am at work, God says, and sh- just shut up and sit down. This is what I feel God says to me. Shut up, Doug, and sit down. You don't know what you're doing. I don't need your help driving. Jesus just doesn't do all night shifts. He does all life shifts. So those who have trusted in Christ, he didn't, he, it wasn't that moment that he began to work on you and protect you. It was far before that. So be still. He says, be still and know. Be made aware and possess knowledge of something that has been revealed. You can be still because you know God is at work. Be still and know. So the title of my message is Relax. <laughs> Relax, Christ the Redeemer reigns. That's my translation of be still and know that he is God. Relax, Christ the Redeemer reigns. Relax, you have the day off. You have the life off. Christ's life has paid full payment for the sin. His love has forgiven us. His love has broken through the darkness of our hearts, of the filthiest sinner. And he has said and declared to all of us who are toiling and fighting, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath. I will give you rest. Christian, will you take rest in the reality of Christ's reign? He reigns over your job. He reigns over your situation. And see, oftentimes we don't take rest because we believe that we are, we, when I'm not praying, it's because I don't think I'm helpless. I think I've got some strength. See, it's like the fender bender. See, when you have a fender bender, sometimes you tell the person, oh, we're not going to call insurance. But when you total loot, when you crash your car on the boulevard over by Best Buy, oh, the police are out, Geico and State Farm, everybody is out pulling out cards. See, when you have that fender bender, you think you've got it. And we have lives like that. We think just going to work, we've got that. We only need God for cancer. We only need God when we're losing our homes. We only need God when our marriages are falling apart. We only need God when our kids haven't received Jesus and we believe that they may be going to hell. We only need God in those situations often. Fender, but that was the total loss. But in the fender bender, do you need him every day and every minute and every second? Well, if you do, you would be still and know that he is God. You can relax in the rain of the Redeemer. See, I'll say this and I'm done. I got two minutes, Josh. Josh has to keep time because I'll be up here all day. So he's, he does, when you see him doing that, he's not high-fiving me. He's telling me, get ready, get out of here. And um, through the eyes of faith, for one trusting in Christ for his life and his day-to-day everything, we see the mountain. And we pray. Or we see, we see the mountain and we think we need God. But when we see the molehill, we think we can do that ourselves. So we see the mountain, we need God. We see the molehill, we got that. When you're being still and knowing he is God, when you're doing less and trusting actively and presently, when you see the molehill, you'll know you need God even for that. Don't just invite God. 
to the total loss when you crash your life. Invite them to the fender bender. Can I tell you this? Invite them to before you start up the car and make the journey and trust that his Holy Ghost is the GPS that will get you there. And even if you crash, his grace is sufficient. And every turn is God. The seatbelt, the, the, the steering wheel, the airbags, all of that. He's not just the assurance claim that shows up to assess damages and get you something new. He's the one that keeps you all the time. So I would tell you, don't, don't fall into what I fell into was doing and not being in the most lack of intimacy time when God was doing the most work. But I'll read this and I'm shutting down. Colossians 129. And I want to tell you, as I, as, I, as I encourage you, he says, be still and know. Can I tell you the enormity of what he, wants you to be, what he wants the people to be still and know? That he is going to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Isn't that crazy? So his missional activity, as much as we say missional and incarnational and all that church plant jazz, he says, it's me that's going to do the work to bring all the nations to him. To be still. So how much more should we be still as we serve him in his church? When he told us to be still, he's going to bring the uncovenanted people, us, to know him who once were far off, hopeless and helpless without God. Be still and know. Can I tell you, if you walk with Jesus and he saved you, <laughs> you as much as we think we had something to do with it, he did it. It was a work of God from open to close. As much as you were active, you actually had no activity in you being saved. It was all a work of God. But by faith, the gift was given. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 is a passage that really, really blessed my heart. Look what he says. I'll, use 20, I'll start at 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles... Are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Key verse. For this I toil, <laughs> struggling with all his energy, that he may powerfully, that he powerfully works within me. It sounds like a contradiction. You toil with his energy. It's not. By faith, as we live out the gospel, by faith, as we live out the gospel missionally in community, in a hostile world, by his strength and by his power, our trust is deeply in him. His plan is the plan, not our comfort. So be still and know that he is God. Relax. Christ the Redeemer reigns. Father, we commit this time to you, and I pray that um, you would grow this place until they have four services and need another new building. Another, and God, even then, would you give them another free one? That you would um, bring many and any to know you um, in this Northeast, in this whole region, to know you. 
And I pray as they come that we would, as we often don't, enjoy your saving activity. And so sometimes in order to enjoy it, we have to sit still and watch you and enjoy you. So God, um, give us great confidence to know that it's by, your, it's, by your, it's by grace we have been saved, not of works. We have nothing to brag about. And that we might boast in you and that our only boast would be in you. Bless Sevamaro, God. I pray that you would bless them to be uh, the light on a hill that declares your truth and that boatloads of people will be converted to Christ and that they would know you, be discipled, raised up, and that they would plant seven to 7,000 seven-mile roads across this region for your glory, by your grace, in Christ's name. Amen.